0: Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The topic for these 15 minutes together is, what is your role in the church? How do you relate to the church? We had in an earlier segment a discussion about what the church was, what the church is, the universal church, the church local, uh, what is the Christian church, why does it exist, how did Jesus create it? We've talked about those things. But now we want to talk about how do you as a person who wants to be involved in the Christian church, how do you relate to the church? How do you, how do you belong to a church? How do you, how do you live in a church? And, and I wanted to say again that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you have committed yourself to him, when you've asked him to be your Lord and your Savior, when you've become, as the Bible says, born again, uh, you are already part of the church universal, the invisible church, the the, the church that's everywhere, uh, but but where there's no building. It's, It's the great, big, mystical body of people on the earth who are all Christians and committed to Jesus and who form the body of Christ, one of those phrases used to describe the church, or the bride of Christ, another phrase used to describe the church. But also, in addition to the big universal church, there's the local church, there's the local expression of the church. Uh, And that looks like a building, and it looks like a group of people gathering, and it looks like a parking lot in many cases. It can be an underground church. It can be a group of people meeting together at a a business, uh, at a lunch hour. But but the church, local, uh, is the actual practical, on-the-street level expression of the church universal. And it's absolutely essential that you are part of a local church. Some Christians have historically made the mistake of thinking that they could just go it alone, uh, that they didn't need the church, they didn't need a band of brothers, they, they, they didn't need the body of Christ to grow with. But we've already seen that you really can't grow into full maturity in Jesus Christ just as an individual because the New Testament tells us that we're meant to be jointly fit together with other believers and grow fully into maturity and into the image of who Jesus is. So with all that established then, what does it mean, and how should you be connected to the local church? Uh, how should you be part of a local expression uh, of the body of Christ? And, and the first, the absolute first thing I want to say about this, and it is, that is important for us to establish in our theology of the church, our practice in the church, is that you must welcome the processes of growth. The church, the local expression of the church, more than anything else, is about growing people up into Jesus and preparing them to fulfill their destiny. So if you are part of a local church, it should, the measure of whether good things are happening The measure of of whether it's being effective in your life is not that you're entertained, is not that your kids are necessarily busy in some nice facility or some some youth program. Uh, It's not necessarily that you're part of the prestigious church in town. Uh, The measure is whether meaningful, righteous, Holy Spirit-led change is happening in your life. And so if you're going to be an effective part of a church, you you need to go with the attitude, I'm going to welcome processes of growth. I'm not going to this church to be the same person I am in 10 years and expect the church to put up with that. No, the church, the local expression of the church is about bringing change to your life. So the best thing you can do as you get engaged with the church is to welcome processes of growth, to look forward to it, to cooperate with it, uh, to be excited about it and to understand your place in the church as one of receiving and then later on helping with processes of change in the lives of believers. And of course, in your life. Now that leads to something else we need to talk about. And that is a certain amount of submission oh man, that's a word we don't like. Uh, The idea of submitting, especially in Western culture, uh, is very, very difficult. But maybe it's important for us to understand what we're submitting to. You know, two places in 2 Corinthians, Paul describes the kind of authority that Christian leaders ought to have. He says, I have authority to build you up, not to tear you down. To build you up, not to tear you down. Now, in in my way of understanding this, I tend to think of this kind of authority as being something like the authority that a coach has. If we want to get become really good tennis players or really good football players or, 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 or really good basketball players, we have to submit to a process of coaching, don't we? Um, we have to have some, somebody or some team who have a, an authority in our life to tell us to stop, go, do this, eat that, lift weights this way, run this amount of laps, uh, learn how to do things differently. They have to have an authority to make us better. And that's exactly the way it is with the Christian leaders that we have prophets and teachers and, and pastors and evangelists and, and so on. They, they have to have an authority in our life. And so one of the things that will determine whether you have a successful experience in church, success being defined by growing in Jesus and growing in your destiny, is whether you're able to submit. So you need to find a church where you can submit to the leadership team and they are radically committed to Jesus Christ and to developing you in the things of God. Submission is a real important key. The New Testament does not hide this concept from us. Three or four times it says, submit to your leaders. Cooperate with their coaching authority in your life. Doesn't mean they can tell you what to do, you know, with your checkbook or in the bedroom or or dominate your life. This is not bondage. This is not slavery. But what it is, uh, is a relationship very much like that of a coach where you submit to authority for the sake of making you better. And that's what Paul meant when he said, I have authority for building you up. Now, the, the third one that's very important is you have to then participate in the spiritual life of that church. The teaching of the word, the worship, uh, prayer times, uh, other things, teaching times, other things that are developing the life of the body. My hands and my arm are part of my body and they digest the same nutrition, they cooperate even as my mouth moves now. My hands are, are moving in sync with my, uh, with my mouth in my kind of uh, demonstrative way of, of, of using my hands when I speak. Um, th- this, is, this is the way a body is. It works in sync. It digests together. It feeds together. Uh, it, it, it works together. And, and this is an important part of it. The Lone Ranger Christianity, as we sometimes call it, uh, being a person who stands alone and apart from the body, um, only produces immaturity and often moral crashes. Um, give yourself to the local church. Give yourself to the body of people that God has called you to be part of. Uh, drink from the spiritual streams that are there. Let me tell you that in the New Testament, a church is often typified uh, by a seven-branch candlestick, which is an Old Testament symbol for the Holy Spirit. Uh, each church, every church, has an anointing, a, a, an abiding presence of God, a, a great that God has given that church. And you drink from that, benefit from that, grow from that as you listen to the word that's taught there and as you worship and as you pray and as you give yourself to the spiritual dynamics happening in that church. So very, very important that you set yourself to do that and not stand apart and not, by the way, do what many in the West do. And I'm sorry to say it, especially here in the United States, uh, many approach a church as though it's a buffet, a food buffet, you know, with 50 different options on it. They'll take a little bit of this food, a little bit of that food, a little bit of that food, and, and, and then, but then not partake of the whole thing. A church is not a buffet. Uh, a church is a family. A church is life together in God. And so we need to drink it all in. Uh, the, the next thing that's so important is that you are part of a church to learn your gifts. Uh, every human being has been made with a certain blend, a certain mix of, of gifts that God has given them. Um, these are described repeatedly in scripture, and I think there are other gifts even beyond what's described in scripture. Uh, some people are gifted to do administratively, and some people are gifted to teach, and some people are gifted uh, to do works of mercy, and some people are are uh, gifted with, works, with gifts that are described as helps. It's a broad word that means supportive uh, things, from everything from intercessory prayer to maybe almost secretarial functions and carrying bags and so on. Um, it, there are many, many giftings described in the Bible, and you are meant to discover what, who God and what God has made you to be. Uh, so as you're in the church, part of the process that ought to be happening, and if you're already part of a church, ask yourself if this is taking place. This should determine if you're in the right place. You should be learning who you are. What, what, what gifts have you been given? And, and, and how have you been sort of put together in terms of your personality? In fact, much of your personality is determined by these gifts that God has given you. Uh, I'm a teacher. And you can tell just by looking through this, uh, looking at this video, uh, that I'm I move my hands a lot, and I express things, and I'm passionate about ideas, and I even talk a little fast. And this is an extension in my personality of being called to be a teacher. Uh, but there are many, many, many other gifts. And you are you you serve Jesus and serve the body of Christ and come into maturity to the extent that you understand who you are and you begin to use those gifts. And that brings us to the next one. The next one is serve. A church is not an entertainment center. A church is not a concert. A church is not a passive experience. A church is a place where you invest yourself. You'll never fulfill your destiny unless you learn your gifts and begin to invest them in the lives of other people. And so the church should be a place where you are serving. Now, you can serve in the big areas of your gifting, your prophetic gifting, your teaching gifting, your evangelistic gifting, etc. And then there's just mowing the yard. Uh, there's just carrying the water, uh, there's uh, cleaning the babies, uh, there's, there's just the practical stuff of serving people. And so any leader uh, should obviously be functioning in their, in their major gifts, but then of course there's just the serving that we do with each other, and caring for each other, and giving ourselves to each other. And that's, that's important. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that spiritual maturity comes to a large extent from serving, from the actual process of serving a cause and a purpose. There's another thing, and the Bible does not shrink from it, and we shouldn't either, and that is giving. Uh, we, We need to be giving. The Bible tells us that the generous man prospers, but that's not primarily why we do it. We do it because Christian people are grateful to Jesus. He gave all and we then are to give all in return. And so giving is part of the process. We see this described in the book of Acts as the New Testament church is born. We hear the principles of it taught later in the writings of Paul. We certainly see it sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament, Uh, money, Generosity, these are on almost every page of the Bible. And so as a Christian, we should be giving at least 10%, that's called a tithe, uh, to the church. Uh, and then we should be giving other offering and offerings and gifts. And then there's a life of generosity beyond the church, caring for people and, and, and giving. Because again, this is what Jesus calls us to, a life of generosity. And it's also the pathway to prosperity. Again, I'm not making this up. These are not Stephen's words, but the Bible says the generous man prospers. So we want to learn a life of giving and generosity at a financial level in the church. And really, that should be the nursery school for all of our children and for all new believers of of a broader life of generosity. And then too, we need to understand this, that as we are part of a body, as we're part of this extended band of brothers and sisters, as we're part of a group of people, what happens in our spiritual life affects the group. This is the scary and exciting thing about being part of a church, If I'm part of a church, then what is happening in my life can affect the rest of the church. The good of that is, as I'm experiencing renewal, as I'm growing closer to Jesus, as my giftings are getting stronger, I can strengthen the church. The negative of it, though, is that if I'm in sin, If I've got uh, some secret area of sin, if I'm if I'm allowing the enemy to run my life, if I'm engaged in a myriad of sins you can imagine, well, then I'm allowing that immorality and that spiritual force to taint my broader family, spiritually speaking, in the same way that if I was doing something nasty, disgusting and sinful and walked into my own house, my actual home where I live with my wife. It would affect the environment there. It would affect her. It would affect my children. So we need to commit ourselves to lives of purity and holiness and, and, and walk out a life that, that, that is in, in light of the fact that we're not just living for ourselves. We're living for the benefit of other people as well. A few more things. We need to pray. The Bible says we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for those uh, that we walk with. Uh, Intercession is many times the sinew, the thing that binds a church together and and that keeps it strong. And prayer also, as we'll learn in future segments, is the sort of artillery and defense mechanism for the body of Christ. The more we pray, uh, the more we grow, yes, but also the more we back off the enemy, the immorality, the forces that attempt to come against the gospel. This is critically important. And then, of course, we need to be prepared for a life that is about making disciples we never need to lose the idea that the great commission of matthew 18 uh, is about go into all the world and make disciples convert people baptize them teach them whatever jesus has commanded them and make them disciples. People who have come under a discipline, so to speak, come into a lifestyle of following Jesus. That's what the church should be producing. You should look around at your church if you attend one, and you should say, are disciples being made? Whether you're in an underground church, maybe in China, or you're in a a, a small house church, maybe in Europe, or you're in a mega church in the United States, or Seoul, Korea, wherever you're going to church, whatever cathedral you attend, look around and ask yourself, are disciples being made? That's the fruit of the gospel that ought to be playing through the body of people we call the local church and then finally in your life you should be able to see that in your life you are in every way being prepared to live a life of greater impact uh, your life is not just about what's going on within those four walls of the church uh, thank god for everything that's happening there if it's a righteous church thank god for the good things that are being inculcated in your life but ultimately you should be prepared and then launched into a greater impact in your life. And if you'll do that, if you'll cooperate with righteous, spirit-empowered pastors and leaders and and give yourself to the church, you will grow up into the mature being you're called to be and you'll be part of a body, uh, the larger body of Christ and the local body of Christ that is also growing up into the image of Jesus. And the nations will be changed. And that is your 15.